0: I make announcement about them, but, okay. um, I'll go give some to David. But I'll, okay, just, if you can throw that in there, I'm so. gonna throw it in here. I'm throwing all the here. good news. The reason I asked that question because when you think about how God encourages you, it's very specific, is it not? Because everybody shared something very specifically that ministered to their soul. And tonight, I really want to share, we're going to go over to John chapter 2, we're going to look at Jesus' first miracle, but it's a night that I want you to remember the way that God has given you miracles. And the miracles, sometimes we think of the miracles as the, as the Red Sea, like it's the Red Sea, and, he's, and God does a lot of that. But this miracle is a little bit different. You know, I'm loving the series that we're doing just like you, because sometimes we read the Bible, sometimes I read the Bible, and I don't linger enough to realize that these are just regular people. Now, we talk, about, we talk about other people that we always kind of make fun of, like Peter and, you know, John is, you know, the, the son of thunder, that kind of thing. But to stop and think, I am those people. I am the person that walks away. I am the person that, don't un- that doesn't understand. I am the person that loses my temper. I am that person. But Jesus saved me. And then when you heard Kelly and when you heard Seth, how Jesus changed them, those are just regular people. We are all just regular people, that God said, "I see you, and I want to encounter you, and I want you to be different." So tonight we're going to talk a little bit more, just about these miracles. So let's go to John chapter two, and this uh, this we're going to read this through and then kind of pick it apart a little bit, and hopefully it'll hopefully it will help you. Uh, uh, John chapter two and verse one. It says, Jesus changes the water to wine. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time is not yet come. His mother said to the sermons, do whatever he tells you. I always kind of trying to imagine, what was that like? What was that like? Was it do whatever he tells you, dear woman. i like, I don't know. So that's how I read it that way. It says, nearby stood six stone jars, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each one holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants had drawn the water new. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you save the best till last. Thus, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana and Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and the disciples put their faith in them. So here's a backstory, story, right? So after, this is Jesus' first miracle. God has waited thousands of years. He's rescued the Israelites time and time again. There's the Red Sea. There's the prophets. There's Daniel in Lions Den. There's Elijah there's Elisha, there's Moses, there's Abraham, there's Noah. He does all these things, and it's silent for 400 years because after Malachi, it was silent. So he's done all these really, really, really big things, and Jesus comes on the scene, and his very first miracle is solving a catering problem. (laughs) We're, We're out of food. We're out of something to drink. Very first miracle that he does it's not the 5,000. It's not the 4,000. It's not Lazarus. It's not the widow's son. It's not the demoniac. It's not any of those things. It's his very personal miracle that he does. I love that God is big and small at the same time. I want you to listen to these scriptures. Um, there's one in Nehemiah chapter six, chapter nine, verses five and six. It says, stand up and praise the Lord your God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry host. The earth and all that is on it, and the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Psalm chapter 8. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So I love that picture that God is big and small at the same time. And it's a, you know, when I look at this miracle, I think it's a reminder that Jesus, Jesus can do all those things, but he also is very attentive to what our personal needs are. So when I ask that, how has God encouraged you? We were all encouraged when we heard everybody share, but God very specifically, Jesus very specifically encourages you. Psalm 37 says it this way, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. He delights in every detail of their lives. My life would probably have a lot less stress and angst and conflict and if I just remember that God delights in every detail of my life. When I don't live that way, what, what, what am I? I'm more stressful. I'm more anxious. I'm more pushy. I'm more demanding. I'm more whatever. The opposite of the fruits of the Spirit, as opposed to just reveling the fact that God you know, delights in me. So back to the story. But before I get back to the story, I want to give you this little, remember this little side note here. So Jesus is 30 when he starts this ministry, right? So 30 years of private life compared to three years of public ministry. You can kind of break that down to every, it took 10 years, every 10 years for one public year. Every 10 years of private, being private, and then one year of public. And I thought about that and I go, we're always going to need a lot more input so that we are ready to navigate all the output that we do every day. I'm going to need twice as much God, <laughs> twice as much of the Bible, twice as much good, three times as whatever I can put in to have one good conversation. Now, I've been a Christian a long time, so hopefully I can navigate a pretty good conversation. That does not mean that there's not all the angst and stuff in my heart. I need a lot of God's input just to be able to do one thing kind of well. But anyway, back to back to the miracle. So, so this occasion there's a wedding so they've run out of wine. We all know this because we've studied this story many times, but a wedding was a big deal. To not to run out of wine would be like a social and a cultural disaster. You know, so this very first thing God Jesus does something where he, he takes something that's very ordinary and turns it into the extraordinary. So I love this water into wine cuz water is just very simple. But Jesus made it in something extraordinary. And in your life, there's so many times where God does something simple and takes you as a simple person, takes me as a simple person, and does something extraordinary. That only for you. We have them all the time. The tension is remembering them. Like if I were to ask you right now, it's 8 o'clock tonight on Tuesday night, what are the things that God did for you today? Give me five things. Yeah, right? Everybody goes, <laughs> Five things. Why? Because we don't remember. Why? Because we're busy. Why? Because the whispers come in and say, well, that wasn't that good. That wasn't that good. That wasn't really a miracle. It It was important to you, wasn't it? It was a good thing. Every day, God does something where he turns something ordinary into extraordinary. So when I get up and I pray, he does something with my ordinary heart and gives me just a slightly different mindset. When I get up and I try to be kind, he does something extraordinary with my little bitty effort to kind of do something nice. It's not me. It's just Jesus. You know, first of all, when we look at this story, how did Jesus get there? How did he get to the wedding? Well, it says very clearly in verse two, it says Jesus um, and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. What happens when you invite Jesus into any situation in your life? Any situation, any conversation, any prayer, any time that you're sharing your faith, any time that you're um, talking to your coworkers, any time that you're in your high school, any time you're in your college, any time that you are trying to navigate things in your home—what happens when you invite Jesus into that? It changes everything. When I when I invite Jesus into my life, and there's a difference between inviting someone versus demanding, pushing, negotiating, being passive aggressive, being angry—we've done all those things, and I've done all those things with God. I've negotiated. I've been quietly demanding. I've been pushy. I've been, you know, all of those things. My life changed when I could understand who the real Jesus was. Your life changes when you invite Jesus. And in. even, the, even the, the invitation is the way that we surrender. And we know this because that's why we study the Bible. The question is, how many times today did you invite Jesus into your day? How many times a day did you ask Jesus, I need help just getting out of bed? I need help with just driving in this traffic. I need your help with talking to this person. I need your help with understanding this scripture. I need your help with forgiving. I need your help with, I just need you. This level of going in and going, I just need you. The longer that you are a disciple, the more that you need to say, I just need you. Because when you first studied the Bible, it's like, I need Jesus for everything. I I prayed about everything. I prayed about where to park. I prayed about where to sit. I prayed about what to wear. I prayed about, should I say hello? How long should I talk? But then we get kind of like, yeah, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Did you pray about when you walk into this midweek tonight? Who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to sit by? How do I sing? How do I give? What are the things in my heart that you want to talk to me about, God? Did you pray about that? That's inviting Jesus in. And we know these things, but again, what happens is that we just get really, really busy. And you know, when I first started studying the Bible, it it was such a difference for me to study from my heart as opposed to habit. There's a difference between studying from your heart versus the habit. I grew up going to church all my life. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but I had no friends. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But when I met Jesus, I'm like, oh, this is why I'm confused. This is why I have the soul ache. This is why I don't understand what it is to me. A true Christian, this is why I don't have friends. This is why I don't know how to forgive. This is why I don't understand my purpose. This is why I don't understand many, many things because I didn't understand who Jesus is. But getting to that point of remembering that I need to invite him in, and you know, and we may, I think the longer again in a room this size, we've all been Christians a long time, some of us longer than others. But that basic humility that says, Jesus, what do you think, and please. Can, would you please help me to do this? Um, you know, this idea of lordship. But then it, it goes on and says, and then you get to this part of this Mary and Jesus conversation. And again, that's just so fascinating to me because Jesus, the mama, is asking her grown son who's 30, like, can you do something about this? Like, can you, I don't, I, I'm just trying to picture that. Like, you know, Here he is. Here's Jesus. But then Jesus says, oh, woman, it's not my time. I don't think it was an issue that he didn't want to help her, but I think it was a reminder of, I'm doing something bigger now. I'm doing something bigger now. But you notice he didn't say no. He didn't say no, did he? She just said, hey, just wait and see what he does. Was Mary expecting a miracle? Maybe. 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 She'd already witnessed the miracle of his birth. She'd already witnessed this miracle of him growing. She'd already witnessed John. She'd already witnessed a lot of miracles. The Magi coming to see him, all these different things. Was she expecting a miracle? Maybe, probably. I think I would have expected a miracle. But at the same time, she didn't know, so she just waited. Sometimes when you ask, you just have to wait. But then the other thing she said, was, she told the servants, okay, just just do, do whatever he tells you. So we can ask for the miracle. But sometimes we gotta wait. But sometimes we just gotta be ready in case the miracle comes. Does that makes sense. So <laughs> we gotta be ready to do our part. And again, Jesus's interesting reply wasn't yes or no. And he didn't do the big thing. He just did something really small. He said he told the servants go fill the jars. So they filled them to the brim. Now these stone jars they hold um, twenty to thirty gallons. So imagine taking thirty gallons of milk all right? How much? 30 gallons of milk on the stage, and then just pouring them. Just pour them in the jugs big enough to hold that. And it's not like you could go to the sink or bring a garden hose. These guys are going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth um, to get that. So Jesus takes this water, and then he turns it into something really great. You know, the thing that I, that I remember, I, I think about this and I go, it's a miracle that he did that. We always have enough for the miracle at hand. We always, there's always enough. There's always enough that Jesus can do a miracle. There's always enough. But what? We want more, right? It's got to be bigger. I have to have a bigger prayer. I have to have a bigger this. I have to have more conversations. I have to do this. There is always enough. What does it say in Second Peter? We have enough for life and godliness. We have enough for life and godliness. But I know that at times I don't live that way because I'm always grabbing for something, I'm always grabbing for this, more conversation, more food, more this, more this. I don't. We're grabbing instead of realizing that I have enough. There is always enough in your life for the miracle to happen. Can you pray? Can you sing? Can you talk? Can you walk? Can you ask? Can you get advice? Can you choose? Can you change your mind? Then you have enough. Can you read? Can you listen? If you have access to the Bible, if you have access to God, you have enough for your miracle. But we live in a world that has always got to be bigger and better and brighter and all this other kind of stuff. But Jesus said, I'm just gonna use the water. And he says this very simple instruction He says, Go fill the jars. Go fill the jars and fill it with water. Any time that you're looking for your water to turn into wine Okay for the Sierra people, you know, I'm not saying go overboard, but you know. Just so that I say, because someone's going to say, well, you were talking about the wine too much. and it's, We understand this. We're talking about something different. Okay? So, but this idea of just going and doing something simple to obey. Sometimes, you know, you look at this, and I'm thinking of, of the servants, and I'm thinking, what must they have been thinking? Because the other, the side note is about the ceremonial jars, these are literally these big jugs that they wash their hands in. Right, so they're washing their hands, and they put the water on their feet. They're wa- it's for washing. It's not like you would drink out of that. It's not like it's kind of like drinking out of the tub. Yeah, because it's washing your dirty hands and putting the water point. Pour- it's not like what you would do. So the servers are thinking, why do you want us to fill the the tubs with the water? but we're going to obey. And there are times that God will ask you to do something and you go, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Why should I be open about this thing that is really, really hard in my life? It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. I don't want to be open. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to share. I don't want to do any of those things. Why would I do this? It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And the moment that you bring something into the light, what happens? There's light. There's joy. There's refreshing. There's freedom. There's answers. The more you hold on and keep it in, the worse it becomes. So when you do the opposite of what you think is smart, God's like, I do actually know what I'm doing. Um, when you do the opposite of that and follow him, then that's where the miracle happens. And you know, sometimes something as simple as that is like, okay, I just got to fill the water jug. <sighs> some days that's really easy and some days that's really hard. Some days you get up and you're eager to spend time with God and some days you're not. Some days your seasons are easy and some days your seasons are hard. I know that there are people that are having very hard seasons right now. They're working through things. There's loss, there's pain, there's relationships, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, it's not what I expected. All of those different things. And so there, people are working through that. Um, but that idea that they're like, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. You know, It doesn't make sense when I study the Bible and I want to write all those things down and I want to share with people. But the moment I do, that there's freedom and healing, right? It doesn't make sense that I could go share, but that's hard. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so this. But then when someone comes or someone says the Bible, like, it works? I wouldn't think that would work in a thousand years. Right? That's what we feel like inside. But it's that simple thing of that simple act of obedience um, and just feeling that. But then, the, then the other part that I love is so they fill the jars. So then what? They filled it to the brim. They just didn't fill it. They didn't fill it halfway. They didn't fill it a quarter of the way. They filled it to the brim. Thirty milk jugs. Let's go say thirty milk jugs because you can you can you can have a picture of that. Thirty milk jugs, just pouring, going to the creek or where they're going, and pouring and pouring. How many times? How many times? How many times are they doing that? How many times? going back and forth. I don't know how many times, but it's the idea of persevering and doing things to the brim. I think about Galatians 5 when it says, do not become weary because of the proper time you will reap a harvest. God's timing sometimes is not our timing. And when we're thinking about living our lives and filling it to the brim, somewhere along the line, I'm wondering if the servants thought, how do we got to keep doing? How- you want all these filled? All of these? That's going to take a long time. There are times that we just continue to have to persevere, right? And then you don't know when that harvest is going to come. But you just keep asking God for that time, and you keep asking God for that timing. And, you know, Kevin and I, actually, what's was today? The, the 27th? So we went on our first date almost 36. We went on our first date 36 years ago. Today. I know. Isn't that sweet? So 36 years in, it's great, but it's 36 years in. So there are times in conversations that we have that you can, you start the conversation and the, you can kind of feel it changing because these are conversations we've had before that haven't gone so well, but maybe we'll try them one more time. Try them one more time. I'm going to try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to Hold my mouth. You know, no faces. Okay. And you know, so we were having one of those conversations. We were having one of those conversations, walking on the bike path. And I remember praying like, God. I know we're going to try and have this one conversation again. And I'm getting really frustrated with this conversation. Because sometimes, you know, when you're with a person for a while, you feel like you're talking the same language, but you don't exactly understand each other. Just saying. Um, So we're going to try and have this conversation. I remember, I'm like, God, one more time. One more time. It is the good and right thing to do. Please, 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 please. Nine times. The last time, nine, nine times. Let's just say it hasn't gone well. But we'll try it one more time. It went well. It went better. It got it got a little warm. Got a little warm. We both got a little warm, and it kind of calmed down. But we were both honestly, we were both really proud of ourselves. we were like, oh, we had that conversation, and it, it actually kind of went okay, didn't it? Like, yes, it did. I'm so proud of us. Um, but you know, it's that persevering to not give up to doing the good that you want to do. So, what are the things you, we persevere to do? A lot of things we persevere to study the Bible, to grow to work our relationship, to navigate our health, to navigate life, to navigate um, roommates, school, um, relationships, family. We persevere to have hope in the areas where we don't have hope anymore. We persevere to have faith. We persevere to overcome. We persevere to forgive. We persevere just to get up one more day. We persevere for a lot of things. The scripture in Galatians says, do not give up doing good. Do not become weary in doing good because at the proper time you will reap a harvest. Somewhere along the line, I think those servants got weary, but they kept going, and they filled it all the way to the brim. You know, the struggle in persevering is struggling to see whatever situation you have a hard time with through God's lens and not your own. That's always where I fall is when I forget to look at things through God's lens, not my own. So the question tonight, is there anything that you're weary of? Is there any relationship that you're weary of? Is there any situation that you're weary of? Is there any conversation that you're weary of having? Is there any person that you're weary of being around? Are there things that you're weary of? So when you get to that point, what does it say? Do not become weary. Do not give up doing good. So then it goes on and says, so they filled it to the brim. They didn't stop halfway. They didn't stop a little bit to the brim. I love this idea that it's just, okay, I don't get it, but I'm going all in. I'm going I'm I'm to give this studying the Bible thing a try. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to give this small group my best. I'm going to give this conversation my best. I'm going to go all in. You know, what does it take for you to live your life full to the brim? I know a lot of sisters wake up at 5 a.m. so they can spend time God's, with God so they can navigate their day. Some people stay up later. Some people break up their times during the day. Um, I was, one sister I know, uh, she was talking about, you know, it takes me about an hour and a half with God for, for me to get ready for my day. So I just get up early so I can do that. That's just what it is for me. The 30 minutes doesn't do it. The 20 minutes doesn't do it. I need an hour and a half before I'm ready to kind of meet people outside of myself. You know that you've got to replenish so many times a day. We've talked about this. Tracy talks about this all the time. You don't just eat an apple for the day. I get up at 6 a.m. and eat an apple. That's not going to make it all the way through the day. But we think 10, 15 minutes with God, we're going to be able to navigate all the things in our day. Our boss, our roommates, our classmates, our school, L.A. traffic alone, Um, our husbands, our children, the ups and downs of just the spiritual battle. I'm going to just do that on like maybe 20 minutes with God? Not going to do it, right? Not going to do it. So however you need to do this, that's always going to be something that either we're going to say, however you need to do it, you need to replenish yourself multiple times a day. What does it look like for your life to be when your life is full to the brim? With God. But then what does it look like when it's not? What does it look like when it's not filled? We know that it's the opposite usually of the fruit of the Spirit. So there's more conflict, there's more discouragement, there's more depression, there's more angst, there's more, oh, I don't know, God, where are you? Where are you? When you feel that, it's like, I need to fill myself back up. So the servants are doing this, and somewhere along the line, the miracle happens. You know, again, Jesus takes the ordinary and makes an extraordinary for your everyday. What, is, what are some of your moments that you love, the water and the wine. That's why I asked that question. How has God encouraged you? What are your water into wine moments that God gives you every day? They really are the daily miracles, right? God asks us to remember. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. The staff today was really encouraging because we, um, we took communion. The last couple of weeks, we, we've been experimenting taking communion at our staff meeting. So we will, which we're all kind of like, well, this is unusual and different than what we normally do in church, you know. But we're trying to do something different and see how that works. So today, we sat around and we took a piece of the bread. And then David asked, so everybody, and there was an empty chair. He says, pretend Jesus is there. And so we were all like, huh. Okay. We're going to try. We're going to try. But then share what you're thankful about for Jesus. And that changed the whole tone. We all went around and we shared what we were thankful for Jesus for. And people were moved. You could feel the emotion. You could feel the tears people were sharing about. Jesus, I'm so thankful for your courage. I'm so thankful to be a part of your family. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so thankful that even though you're in this you're you this you're in this imaginary chair but really you would you're, you're the most humble person you would never set yourself up how can i follow you how can i follow you jesus thank you for the truth so we're all going around sharing these different things and it changed the perspective when you think about the reason i'm even asking you this this water into wine when you think and meditate on that it changes who you are and how you live your life but you've got to slow down enough to be able to do that You know, some of the miracles that I thought about, I've read that passage in um, Nehemiah 6, but the life and the breath that we have every day. And I know we tend to take that for granted, like, yeah, 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 I know. We were talking about that, let's just be careful. But there's nothing that you can do, you can't create life or sustain life. You have life because God's breath is in you. You can't walk across the room without God's breath. You can't drive your car without God's breath. You can't eat or drink or talk or walk without God's breath. Your children do not live without God's breath. We know this, but we kind of gloss over, like, oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. No, you don't got it. So when you wake up in the morning and you go, God, I, I still have breath in my body, thank you. Thank you for that. The ability to understand God's word. Do you remember when you didn't understand the Bible? Remember when people read, you go, I don't get that. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make, you know, <laughs> you know, when you say the Bible and everybody shares the scriptures and, you know, like, what did you get out of that? Jesus uh, was walking, and then he, yeah, that's, yeah, and everybody goes, that is great. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then we, then we all go, and you know, you can maybe consider these other 15,000 points that we're about to share right now. <laughs> but you remember that when you, when you were reading the Bible, and you almost felt embarrassed because you, didn't, you did feel embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand anything. You sit here now, and you have understanding. You sit here now, and these words move your soul. You sit here now, and your Bibles are all highlighted. This is, this is my Bible that's got all the... All the tape on it. I really shouldn't be outside, but I had to bring it today because it's my, my Bible. Um, but I understand this. His words are precious to me. That is a gift. That is a gift. And if you don't know that's a gift, you talk to people, because we honor people, that this is not how they live anymore. This is not how they live anymore. So the words mean nothing but the fact that we can sit and understand, that's a gift. Forgiveness, redemption, adoption, huge words, huge words. Every day, God gives you new mercies. You have new forgiveness. The redemption is always there. The adoption into his family. That is a gift. Every day, we have that gift. There are new mercies every day. day. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, we are transformed. We are transformed. We have the ability to be more and more and more and more like God. The legacy that you leave, the legacy that you leave, because God has chosen you and Jesus has chosen you and you have this relationship because of Jesus, you are able to leave a legacy to help many, many people. So, okay, we have Mary who was a teen. So I know we have teens here, right? So, ah, hi, there they are. So you have Mary who is a teen and she birthed Jesus, that's a pretty big legacy to live, right? It's a pretty big legacy. But then you have Sarah. Okay, so where are my Naomi's? I think they're all over here. My Naomi's are all over here. Okay, Sarah started her greatest adventure when she was in her 60s, people. Her 60s. Sarah looked fine enough that the Pharaoh wanted her. She was in her 60s. Her 60s. Her greatest joy, Isaac, came when she was 90. God gave her her greatest laughter when she was 90. The world says, oh, you know, you're, not, you're too old, you're too this. Honestly, when you study the Bible, people were, really didn't get going until they were like 40. <laughs> Abraham was 75. Isaac was 40 when he got married. He was 60 when he became a dad. He was 60. Rebecca was 20 years without children. Now I know that can be kind of discouraging. We're not going to talk about that part. So we are going to talk about that God used her 20 years later. So when we think about leaving this legacy, the world can kind of say, well, you're too this, you're too that, da-da. No, God always has a path for you always has a path for you. So when you're thinking about these blessings, it's honestly Ephesians 1, 1. We have what? Every spiritual blessing. And those water into wine moments that you have every single day that only you know, only you know when you're sitting there with God, that it's something special between you and God. Only you know when you have that conversation. I think about Tiffany, and I don't know, how many people did you have three teachers at your school, Tiff? Three? three teachers. And Leanna's daughter became a Christian. Okay, Leanna, how, how, old are, how old are you as a Christian? Less than two years. So Tiffany is reaching out to these guys. And so Leanna became a Christian two years ago, and her daughter became a Christian last week. How many of those quiet conversations is Tiff having in her school? Just walking, doing her thing. Walking, doing her thing. You are a light wherever you go. So I want to shift a little bit before I, before I close to talk about Easter. So we've talked about this bigness of God. God is so big, and then he's so small. And then, okay, no segue, we're just going to talk about Easter. So the reason the reason this, I know, right? I guess something pithy, but we're just going to go with that. So the, the reason I want, to, I want to think about this, because we have this, if you are connected with that, and you're trying every day to be connected with God. And I know a lot of things get in there. I know there's a lot of whisper, a lot of choices, a lot of angst, a lot of things that get in there and block that voice. But there are days and there are moments when you're like, I know that this is the most amazing thing that I have. God, thank you for that. So when we talk about Easter, and you remember what it was like when you weren't connected, and you remember what it was like when you didn't have those big words of adoption and redemption and freedom and hope and forgiveness, and you remember when you didn't understand the Bible. The whole thing about the Easter is helping find people to have their moments to change the ordinary into the extraordinary, from the water into the wine. When Kevin, a couple of weeks ago, and we had that church service where people were just standing up, and this person shared with me, and this person shared with me, and this person shared it's like Oprah, and this person shared with me, and this person shared with me, and this person, it was amazing Because you saw God in all of those moments that were just for them. This season, I want you to consider doing something different for Easter. Because we hear about, and go, yeah, here's some flyers, and here's this, and here's that. But for the next 30 days, I want I you to consider doing something different. So get on your knees and pray before you leave the house. And I want you to pick a scripture, but I'm going to give us a couple of examples. I need four people that can read some scriptures for me. Four people. I got Chinway. I've got Tiff. I've got Isis. Nobody over here. Okay, we'll go with Sam. All right. So I need um, Matthew wherever Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through twenty. Tiff, um, Chin, can you do Colossians four four through six six? Isis, can do, you do Matthew five fourteen through sixteen? And Sam, can you do Second Corinthians two fourteen through fifteen? So here's the thing. I've been kind of experimenting this a little bit of late, and I think Tracy mentioned this, I don't know, probably a while ago, but this idea before I leave my house that I'll, I'll take a scripture and I'll read it out loud, and I'm like, God, help me to understand that this is what you want me to do today. Help me to see the people that you want me to see. Help me to be a light. I, I may not get to share with them, but I can be a person that's encouraging, and I can be, oh, thanks. i sorry, thanks about the mic. Um, I can be a person that can be kind. I can be a person that I'm hoping that I can even have a conversation that I can reach someone. But it changes it when I'm on my knees asking for God's help. A lot of times we feel this pressure about it's Easter and it's people and and it's just a service, but it's a time where people in the world are thinking that maybe I could possibly do something different. Maybe I, maybe is there, I don't know. This is our time but we get busy and all these different things. So just think about it, like maybe for the next 30 days that we get on our knees and you find a scripture and you pray it before you leave your house. And then we'll say in in Psalms 5 verse 3, it says, morning by morning, I lay my, my prayers and I wait in expectation for you. Okay, so let's read these and think about this, how this would change your day if you read these scriptures, any one that you pick before you leave. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20. How would it change your day if you, if you pray, God, that I know that you have chosen me, that I need to go make disciples of all nations, that you've given me all authority and all power in all heaven, that you will never leave me? Who are the people that you want me to do that with today? Colossians 4, 4 through 6. Oh, did, what, what does it read? Uh, pray that I would proclaim this message. Oh, yeah, 2 through, two through 4. Maybe okay. is it 2 through 4? Devote Yeah, to yeah, prayer. yes, go with that. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Right on. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a
1: thankful heart.
0: <laughs> Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Yes, thank you. What would it look like if I'm praying, God, please help me to do this? Please give me the ability so that I can share to make the most of every opportunity. Okay, Isis. Oh, Matthew five. Who has Matthew five? Me. Oh great.
1: You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp or light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven
0: you are a city on a hill. You are the light. You are the light. To remember that you are the light. I love this story that Isis posted on um, Sharing part. I'm going to say this wrong, but it was, it was so cute. Okay, give her the mic so she can share about Liam. So this whole, this whole idea about being a, <laughs> being a light, being a light. Okay, you guys share about Liam.
1: Oh my gosh, it was so cute. So we were in a very cramped space with lots and lots and lots of people. And um, I had all, ki- all the kids with me, so Liam was bored going through my purse, and he found a flyer. And if you know my son, he talks like this. Hi, um, I'm <laughs> Liam, you know, <laughs> kind of shy, uh, if he doesn't know you. So he said, we have to um, invite somebody to church. And I was like, okay, you can invite whoever you want. And it was kind of a room full of women. But then there was this guy, pictured Dale Lewis and Edward super cool looking, like he had to have been a basketball player or a superstar, but I just didn't recognize him. Like the most intimidating person in the room, clean clothes, gold chains, glasses. I mean, super looking cool guy. And that's who he wants to share with. Not all the other sweet little moms in the room. He wants to share with him. He was on his phone. So I was like, okay, never mind. And then he got off his phone and I said, Liam, do you still want to go invite him to church? And he goes, will you come with me? So I go with him and he's like, do you want to come to my church (laughs) but the guy was so impacted he gave a huge smile he's like thank you buddy what's your name i'm jonathan nice to meet you he just totally he was like this all cool and then he just got super sweet and came down to his level i was so proud of my son he wasn't afraid of him i was afraid of him but he wasn't he wanted to invite him to church it's great
0: I love I love that story because obviously it's super adorable. But I, I love the story because you don't know the response that you're gonna get. You don't know the response that you're gonna get. Just being a light, just stepping past out of our comfort zone a little bit more. Last one, second Corinthians two, fourteen through fifteen. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those
1: who are being saved and those who are perishing.
0: Okay. The aroma. We are the aroma. You are the... Okay. And we're a fragrant aroma, not stinky. (laughs) We are a fragrant aroma. Wherever you are, whatever your day looks like, in your home, in your job, in your car, at your school, with your roommates, at Ralph's, at wherever you are, you are the aroma. It takes a smile to start a conversation. Even, you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, I can decide that I'm going to smile at people for 30 days and say hello and see what God does with that. I pray this prayer, I'm going to smile and see what God does with that. The part of that is, is the remembering that says, God, I, I, I want to remember all the moments that you've given me. I'm so sorry that I've forgotten because all the miracles that God has done just for you this day. So the final thoughts are before you go, as you go into your groups, to remember that God is big and God is small at the same time. How can you engage Easter, you know, to pray through those things? What are some of your water to wine moments? Does your input, your daily input, exceed your output? And you kind of know if you get to the end of the day and you're just nasty and cranky and tired, you did not have enough input. Just saying. Are you weary or filled to the brim? So that's all I have tonight. Have a great group, and we will see you on Sunday.